Hey, good morning, everybody. That was weak. Good morning, everybody. Come on. Uh, I am excited this morning. I'm excited because Jesus reigns and Jesus rules and Jesus is large and in charge of our lives. Guys, I've had some coffee this morning. The kids are home with my wife. I'm feeling good, you know. <laughs> That's good. So um, this uh, today, I felt like the Lord was speaking a word over us, and he was speaking freedom. Amen. Freedom from some of our past, freedom from some of our uh, stinking thinking, the way or the wrong ways we've been thinking, and freedom into his kingdom, freedom into the people he's called us to be. Come on, is anyone excited for some freedom this morning? Is anyone excited for some kingdom of God this morning as we step in? I don't know about you, I want to become everything God has called me to be, and I want to do everything God's called me to do. And so this morning, we're going to be uh, almost continuing. Four weeks ago, Murray preached a two-part sermon series on finding your calling, finding your destiny that God's put inside of you. Uh, two weeks ago, Jess preached an incredible message about stewarding your seeds. And last week, Ash preached a great message about loving Jesus supremely. And my message kind of goes along with all of that uh, today, because we are going to be talking about the very spiritual topic of finances and possessions. Come on! Come on! This is so important that Jesus spoke about this subject uh, more than anything else, almost. He spoke about this more than adultery. He spoke about more. Uh, he spoke about this more than sexual sin, uh, lying, cheating, stealing. Like you can name it. He talked about money and possessions more than anything. And so sometimes we don't think like that. We think like, let me go to church. Let me maybe put a little bit of money in the Dropbox or give online. Keep God happy. I'm going to go home and live my life. Build net worth for myself, for my family, for my future generations. Go on that beach and relax, sipping that pina colada. You know? You know what I'm saying? No, thank you, Rochelle. No, we're good. We're good. Um, but she may be performing at Connect Sunday. That may, that may happen. And I've been on this journey over the past uh, couple years about beginning to think about money and possessions the way God has called me to think about it. And this morning, I'd like to share that with you a little bit. So, uh, are you ready? Are you excited? Yeah. All right, come on. We're going to do something. We're going to give God permission to come and change us. Are you okay with that? Yeah. All right, so stand up. Stand up. First and foremost, I've learned before we open the word, we say, God, come and show us what you meant when you wrote this. God, come and reveal the word to me. If, you don't, if you're struggling with understanding scripture, pray before reading. And you will find that the wonderful Holy Spirit will come and begin to open things up to you you had never thought about. So, hold out your hands. And if you'd like to, I'm going to invite you to pray a prayer with me, inviting God to come and change us. All right, so, God, come on, like you mean it. God, come and change me. Don't let me leave here the same. Come and speak to my mind. Come and speak to my heart about how you would like for me to handle your money. 
for me to handle your money. Amen. All right, before you sit, no, turn to someone beside you and just bless them. Say, I bless you. I bless you to listen. I bless you to understand. I bless you to receive. I bless you to be changed. I bless you to be transformed. Come on, one of the most powerful things we can do as the church is to bless our neighbors, bless our community, bless those around us. So we bless you. Amen. All right, if you have your Bibles, here's what you're going to do. You're going to turn to James 1 and stick your finger in there because we are not reading that first, but we're going to come to James 1. And uh, you're then going to turn to Luke 12. All right, as we look into the scriptures here. Luke 12. Um, thank you. I'll be here all day. All day. Luke 12. Uh, we're going to read a longer passage, 13 down to 34. Uh, Luke 12, verses 13 down to 34. Uh, let's set the scene. What, happened is, what happens is that Jesus is teaching and this crowd is gathered around him. And he is teaching about their worth before God. He is teaching about the Holy Spirit. And then someone from the crowd interrupts him. And someone from the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Friend, he said to him, who appointed me a judge or arbitrator over you? He then told them, watch out and be on guard against all greed. Or the NIV says, against all kinds of greed. So everyone say, all kinds of greed. All kinds of greed. Watch out. And what are we supposed to be watching out for and being on guard against? All kinds of greed. Come on, all kinds of greed. Because one's life is not in the abundance of his possessions. Then he told him a parable. A rich man's land was very productive. He thought to himself, what should I do since I don't have anywhere to store my crops? I will do this, he said. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones and store all my grain and my goods there. Then I'll say to myself, you have many goods stored up for many years. Take it easy, eat, drink, and enjoy yourself. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life is demanded of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? That's how it is with the one who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Say rich toward God. All right, we're going to keep on reading, but I'd just like you to notice this. Jesus is talking about greed, and he's talking about being rich towards God. And we're going to look, look at that for the rest of our time. Then he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat, or about the body, which you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They don't sow or reap. They don't have a storeroom or a barn, yet God feeds them. Aren't you worth much more than the birds? Can any of you add a cubit to his height by worrying? Then, If then you're not able to do even such a little thing, why worry about the rest? Consider how the wildflowers grow. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass which is in the field today and is thrown into the furnace tomorrow, how much more will he do for you, you of little faith? Don't keep striving for what you should eat and what you should drink, and don't be anxious. For the Gentile world eagerly seeks all these things, and your Father knows that you need them. But, but seek his kingdom, and these things will be provided for you. Don't be afraid, little flock, because your Father delights to give you the kingdom. 
Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Make money bags for yourselves that won't grow old. An inexhaustible treasure in heaven where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Oh, wow. Jesus is interrupted. This uh, man says, hey, teacher, tell my brother to split the share of the inheritance with me. What's most likely gone on is he is probably a younger brother. His older brother has some uh, level of inheritance. And uh, rightly or wrongly, we don't know, is uh, refusing to share it with him. And Jesus, what I love about Jesus is he is so focused on his mission. He says, who appointed me as judge or arbitrator between you? He's not willing to be sidetracked from what God has called him to do. But then he starts to make some comments about greed and possessions. And I think this is very insightful because what he's saying is that this family is being torn apart by greed. These relationships are being dramatically affected because of possessions. Because there's no agreement on how things should be split. And then he goes on and he shares this parable. But the, fir- the first thing he says is watch out and be on guard against all greed, all kinds of greed. And it's funny because Jesus doesn't normally warn you against something. He doesn't warn you to watch out for lying. He doesn't say, guard yourself against cheating. Uh, Guard your heart against adultery. Which means that you usually always know when you're lying, when you're cheating, or when you're committing adultery. At least I hope you're aware, particularly on the adultery part. Um, But that must also mean that we usually never know when we're being greedy. That must also mean that greed is so deceptive that it can get into our hearts and into our lives and into our minds, and we don't even know it. So watch out and be on guard against all kinds of greed. So what that's saying is that there's more than one kind of greed. It doesn't just appear what we, what we think of as, I'm just going to hoard everything, I'm going to be like the dragon, and I'm going to be like Smaug and have my possessions in this mountain. Perhaps it's that, but perhaps it's also something more. If Jesus warned us to be on our guard against all kinds of greed, right? And then he says, one's life is not in the abundance of his possessions. Life is not about what you own. As a, as a little sidebar, I was thinking about uh, God saying to the rich man, you fool, this very night your life is demanded of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? And yesterday was the 20th anniversary of uh, 9-11, and Hendria and I took some time, and we remembered, and we grieved, and we talked. Um, we talked about, where were you? Oh, yeah, where were you? Wait, how old were you again? Wow, you're really old. Oh, my gosh. Um, and we had, we had this moment 
we had these moments where we talked about 9-11, we talked about who was affected. I had, I had an aunt and an uncle who were in the buildings right across the street from the towers. They both work in the finance industry on, um, up in New York, and uh, for hours we didn't know. Um, we didn't know if they were alive, we didn't know if they were dead. We had no clue because all communication was cut off going in and out, and we finally got the call uh, and I remember being with my parents and we just rejoiced and said, God, thank you. Thank you. But none of those people, and as we uh, continued reading, we read some of the transcripts from the flights. We read some transcripts from 9-11 calls, 9 calls. And then we also uh, read some of the transcripts of the voicemails that people who were going to die very soon were able to call and leave for their family members and loved ones. Not a single one of them talked about what they had. Not a single voicemail said, oh, I'm so glad we went on vacation last year in Spain to our house. Boom! I'm so glad that we, we stretched and we bought that car. I'm so glad that we had... You know what they talked about? They talked about, I love you. I'm with you. <laughs> I'm, I'm tearing up just talking about it. They talked about their life that they shared together, not what they had. And as I, as I was preparing, I thought about this more and more. The, our life does not consist of an abundance of possessions. And yet we lose sight of that and we live like our life is all about our possessions. We live as if that's the only thing that matters, that's the only thing that drives us, and that's what we spend all of our time and all of our energy searching after and seeking after. Because then Jesus, he tells the parable about the rich man. He tells him, and tells about how his land was very productive. And what this rich man had done was probably married hard work and sweat with a very fertile ground that God blessed. And he had a huge harvest. But there's no mention of God as he speaks to himself. What he starts speaking to himself about is mine. My barns, my grain, my house, my land, my field, my hard work, mine, mine, mine. Sometimes I think he is who the seagulls were modeled after for Finding Nemo. Um, all he's doing is he's talking about, he's talking to himself about himself and his possessions and what he's going to do. It's kind of like what happens when you go to the gym. You know, you go to the gym and you start working out. And it doesn't matter if it's been 10 years, but you lift a two-pound weight. And then for the rest of the day, you go home and you're like, Ugh. Hey, 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 honey, come, come check out this definition right here. And Andrea's like, John, you haven't worked out for 10 years, and you just ate a bag of chips. I'm like, I don't care, man. I got definition. I got a line right there. But it's like you go to the gym, and you start working out, and then you look at yourself in the mirror to like, as you're working out, like it's supposed to motivate you, right? And, that, and then I was thinking... I think it was Jim Gaffigan who said this. And I just started thinking about this and going, what if you just took that on? What if you, like, record yourself speaking motivation and then that's what you listen to on your, on your um, 
headphones while you look at yourself. Let me look at myself while I listen to myself, while I work on myself. Now, what if, like, you were reading a book while you're exercising? You're like, let me read about myself while I listen to myself, while I look at myself, while I work on myself. How ridiculous is that? But isn't that what we do with our possessions? Isn't that what we do with our wealth? Isn't that what we do when we think about, oh, my bank account is like this. Oh, man, if I invest in the stock market, oh, if it goes up, then I'll have this. Oh, man, maybe I'll be able to buy some Bitcoin. Oh, maybe I should buy that house. Oh, if I rent it out, maybe I should buy that car, and then I can rent it out, and then I'll make this much, and then I can do this, and then I can go here. And, that. and before you know it, it's all about me, 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 mine, 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 mine. And there's not a single thought about Wait, but God, but God, the only way I have this, the only reason I have this is because you have given it to me. Because you have actually blessed the ground that I'm working in. There's no thought about that. There's no thought about him. And God says, you're so focused on your barns, your food, your coins, your possessions, your cars, your money, your stocks your 401k that you forget that the thing that matters your soul doesn't even belong to you because one day your soul is going to be demanded of you what are you going to do then jesus says that's how it is with the one who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich toward god so then the question we need to ask is, if greed is so deceptive, then what are the kinds of greed and how do we guard, begin to guard ourselves? How do, we, how do we become aware of and how do we begin to guard ourselves against the greed that Jesus talks about? Well, here we have a few, uh, we have a couple things that are dead giveaways. The first is me, 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 mine, 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 mine. The second is that you think to yourself about what you have and it makes you feel good. Oh, I'm going to be set. Right? That's what he's doing. He's thinking about what he has and how secure he's going to be for the future. He thinks about what he's going to be able to enjoy down the line. So you think to yourself and you begin to almost boast to yourself about yourself. Let me look at myself while I work on myself and I listen to myself and I read about myself because it's all about myself. <laughs> then he said to his disciples, therefore, and whenever you see a therefore, you need to ask yourself, what is it there for, right? Therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life. Whoa. So maybe the first problem is, the first marker is that we are, that we're struggling with greed, is that we're boasting to ourselves. But maybe there's another type of greed where we worry about what's going to happen. Where we worry about money, we worry about finances. See, in the first, the first problem with the rich man, um, we think, oh, if I just had more money, I'll be good, I can, I can boast, I can do this, I can we don't realize that actually sometimes the more money you have, the more problems you have, the more issues you have. Because Jesus is saying here, 
that greed is dividing that family. And also, the rich man, he has this huge harvest, but now he doesn't know what to do with his harvest. So that's another problem. And if you don't believe me that more money causes more problems, don't listen to me. Listen to the lyrical genius of our time, Biggie Smalls, who said that more money, more problems. The more money I have, the more problems I see. Can I get an amen? Come on. Right? So money's not going to solve it. We can boast ourselves. We can think about these things. But then we can worry. We can worry, worry, worry. And Jesus uses two examples. He talks about the ravens of the air and the wildflowers of the field. The ravens and the wildflowers. He talks about how the ravens don't work. They don't have a barn. They don't have a storehouse. They go searching for food, and yet God provides for them. God secures them. And then he talks about the wildflowers, and even Solomon and all of his splendor, all of his glory was not arrayed, was not beautified, was not like one of the wildflowers in the field. And Jesus says, you know, maybe there are two types of people in this. Sorry, not Jesus. Maybe as I'm thinking about this, I'm thinking, maybe there are two types of people in this. Maybe there are ravens and there are wildflowers, and you're both looking to money for two separate things. See, the the ravens, they're secured by God. So maybe some people look at money as their security, their security. The more I have, the bigger my bank accounts, the more secure I am. Say it with me. Say security. Or say security. I don't know. Whatever you want to say. Security. That's what we think of when it comes to money. If I can just have this amount in my bank account, I will be set for retirement, college, I will be set for marriage, fill in the blank. I will be secure. And so this manifests itself like you are always saving money. You're always putting it away because you don't know what tomorrow brings or the next week or the next month or the next year or the next decade. You're just squirreling money away and you can never spend it because it is your security. It is what protects you. It is what keeps you. But then maybe you're like the wildflower. And the wildflowers, well, to them, they use money to make themselves beautiful. Money is their ticket in to the good life. Money is their ticket in to prestige or power. And so you overspend to buy the right house in the right neighborhood and the right school district so your kids can be set up so they can go to the right college so your family can be something. Or maybe you're always flawless in your appearance. Maybe you overspend for some of the designers or um, those labels. Maybe you need the right car, you need the right school. So money becomes not your security, but money becomes the beauty of your life. Money becomes how you present yourselves to others and how you're accepted, loved, approved. And uh, this usually manifests itself in in spending. This usually manifests itself in, I'm just going to, Use this money to make myself beautiful. And the sad thing is, is that the more you do that and the older you get, the more you never know if people like you for you or people like you for the money, what the money purchased for you. You begin to lose yourself. And something else I've found is that usually, like you have spenders and you have savers, 
and one way or another, they find each other and they marry each other. And usually you have a spouse who's a spender and a spouse who's a saver, and it brings all sorts of conflict. If you can relate, please say amen. Come on. And the reason is, is sometimes the motivation of the heart is money is our security or money is our beauty. Mm. <laughs> right? And the thing is, is that the spenders judge the savers and the savers judge the spenders. The savers are like, why are you spending that? We need that. What do you need it for? I don't know, but we need it. The, the, <laughs> the people are spending, and the savers are like, what? Why are you buying that? Oh, why are you now buying that? Why are you now buying that? Oh, you're just, you're just extravagant. You're just self-indulgent. You just want the best. You just, you're not even thinking about our future. You're not even thinking about our family. And before you know it, boom. And you know what? This doesn't just happen in families. This happens in our society, and it's happening right now. It's happening as people judge each other and judge their motives for doing what they're doing. Oh, why? I've had people say, oh, my gosh, they live in that house? Why didn't they sell it and give the money to the poor? And I think two things to myself. The first is, that sounds a whole lot like Judas. And the second is, well, do you have a house? And have you sold it and given the money to the poor? Because if you haven't, don't talk. Why are you judging someone else for the very thing you are unwilling to do? Because it's so easy for us to stand back and condemn and judge others' motives and judge others' actions. And what Jesus says here is he says, don't keep striving, don't be anxious, and don't run after these things. So I have good news for you. If you see money as your security... Or if you see money as your beauty, there's another way. And Jesus says this, but seek his kingdom. Seek his kingdom and these things will be provided for you. These things will be provided for you. See, the issue isn't whether we're spending or saving. The issue is that we're looking to money to only be something that God can be for us. Only God can truly be your security. Only God can truly hold you in the middle of the storms of life. Only it, Money will never be able to stop difficulty from happening to you. Money will never be able to stop death. It can maybe slow it down. Money will never be able to stop tragedies from happening. And that's what makes life difficult. It's not, oh man, I need, uh, I need a little bit more time, so I'm going to send someone to the grocery store for me. Oh, you know, I'm going to spend the extra five bucks and get delivery this time instead of going out. That's not what makes life difficult. And at the same time, money can never be your true beauty. Only God can make you so ravishingly beautiful on the inside that your outside begins to glow. And no matter what you do, no no matter how many blowouts, no matter how many manicures, pedicures, Botox, like whatever you try to do on the outside will never be able to match up to what God has done on the inside for you. So the question isn't spending or saving. Jesus flips the question. He says, don't be afraid, little flock. 
because your father delights to give you the kingdom, sell your possessions and give to the poor. So in Jesus' mind, it's not a matter of spending, it's not a matter of saving, it's a matter of giving. How much can you give? The question isn't how much do I have in my bank account or how much can I spend on myself, how much can I give of myself? And he says, don't be afraid. So why, do we, why are we unable to do that? It's because we're afraid. It's because we're still seeing. Somehow, some way, money is either our security or our beauty. Somehow, we are tied to that. And Jesus says, as we begin to get unhooked from that, actually, money just becomes money, and we get to give. We can freely, radically give. Because when I look around our world, you know what our world needs more than anything? Our world needs security, and our world needs beauty. There are people, some in our church family, who are facing food insecurity, housing insecurity. What, when I look around our, our world, when I look around North Carolina, you know what makes my heart come alive is when I see something really beautiful. Gorgeous sunset, gorgeous sunrise. Yeah. I see a beautiful tree, flowers, stunning. Sometimes a piece of architecture just makes my heart go, oh. As we become the people that can give, we will actually give beauty and security to this world. And this world will become the place that God intended it to be because we are willing not to hold on to money, but to use it as the tool to beautify and secure this world. And we're unable to do that because of fear. We're unable to do that because we think we won't have enough or we won't be beautiful or we won't be accepted. But Jesus says, don't be afraid, little flock. Don't be afraid, little flock. He doesn't say little sheep. He says little flock. He's speaking to the church. He's speaking to the community. That as we give of ourselves, we're giving into the kingdom and there our heart is. That's where our true treasure lies. And this is why he's saying sell your possessions and give to the poor. Make money bags for yourselves that won't grow old and inexhaustible treasure in heaven where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. He's saying what you give into the kingdom can never be taken, never snatched, and it will always bring a harvest. And so therefore, what we do, our attitude towards money and possessions is that I am going to actually give of my net worth in order to see others flourish. I'm not going to just give out of my income. I'm going to give out of my net worth. That's how we see in the book of Acts that people sold fields and brought the money and placed it at the apostles' feet. That's how we see that people have sold houses and cars and they're willing to liquidate it all in order to give it away. What? Why? You know, to spenders and to savers, that just looks ridiculous. That just looks absolutely foolish. Why on earth? That's not practical. That's not going to serve you. That's the point. Because the only way that we can do that is when we truly understand and see that it's already been done for us. That there's, 
that Jesus himself was willing to do that for you and willing to do that for me. He was willing to liquidate heaven, to let go of all of his possessions, let go of all of his privilege, his esteem, let go of his position, let go of everything in order to come and save you and save me. And the reason we're afraid is because we haven't fully realized that. We haven't fully seen that. We haven't fully stepped into that. Turn with me to uh, the book of James. James 1. I've been in the book of James the past few weeks just studying it, meditating on it, it's transforming me. Once again, that's what I love about Jesus is there's no, like you're constantly being changed to look like him. You're constantly understanding more of who he is and more of his word. And there's this one passage, I shared it with our connect group earlier this week, I'd just like to share with you. James 1, verse 9, the brother of humble circumstances should boast in his exaltation, but the one who is rich should boast in his humiliation, because he will pass away like a flower of the field, for the sun rises with the scorching heat and dries up the grass, his flower falls off and his beautiful appearance is destroyed, in the same way the rich man will wither away while pursuing his activities. You know, Jesus used a phrase that said, be rich towards God. How can he be rich towards God? See, James gives us a glimpse here. And as I was reading this, for years I've been confused. Right? It almost seems like it's backwards. Because the rich man should, uh, or sorry, the humble, the poor man should boast in his exaltation. The one who's rich should boast in his humiliation. What? When That's not the way the world works, right? Or am I just missing something? The, the ones who are rich, the ones who are powerful, they're the ones who have the high position. They're the ones who everyone wants to be like. They're the ones who get to make decisions. They're the ones who have the nice things. We all look up to them. But the one who's poor... Why, they have no power, they have no influence, they can't speak up for themselves. They're the ones who are at the bottom of society, usually. Right? That makes sense. That's what we see. But what James is saying here is that it's flipped. He's saying, you should boast. Whoa, what does that sound like? That sounds like what Jesus was just talking about when he says, be on your guard against greed. So what are we boasting in? We're boasting in our position. We're boasting... And the poor man should boast in his high position, which means, which must mean that he has been seated with Christ and that Jesus is inviting him to think about and boast and speak to himself about who he is in Jesus. He must be inviting him to say, oh man, I was poor, but now I'm raised with Jesus. I'm seated above all rule, power, dominion, title that can be given, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And therefore, all riches of heaven have been given to me. All, everything on the earth has been given to me. And Jesus, in you, I have a high position. And, what it, and as we do that, it begins to raise us up without inflating us and puffing us up. And at the same time, he's saying the, the rich man, well, he should boast about his low position. And so for those who are rich, they should be saying, Jesus, I thank you that nothing I could do could ever make me good enough for you. 
I thank you that your salvation is not a salvation that I could earn. It's not a salvation I could buy. It's not a self. I could never work my way into your kingdom, but in your grace and mercy, you have seen me and brought me in. And I thank you. And what that will do is that will actually bring you down from being puffed up. It will humble you without crushing you. Because there is nothing you could do to earn his salvation. There's nothing you could do, not just to earn his salvation, but to earn the wonderful Holy Spirit. See, in the book of Acts, Peter is doing miracles, and there's, there's this rich man named Simon the sorcerer. And he, tr he tries to offer Peter money for the anointing of God. He tries to offer money to Peter to give him the Holy Spirit. And Peter looks at him and says, may your money perish. May your money perish with you. Because this cannot be bought. And this is something, the wonderful Holy Spirit, our comforter, our counselor, is the great equalizer. Because he comes in and there's nothing you could do to earn him. There's nothing you could do to make yourself good enough. And in light of eternity, in light of what God has done and is doing in us, we're all poor anyway. The things we try to put on are like filthy rags, Scripture says. It doesn't matter how many houses you have, or cars you have, or boats, or planes, or what. I don't, it doesn't matter. The question is, do you have him, and does he have you? Is your treasure him? Because when your treasure is him, you will be able to liquidate all of your earthly assets and give them away. You will be able to do even what the Moravians did, which is they sold themselves into slavery. They went and they sold their body and their life into slavery in order that they might go and reach the unreached peoples, that the Lamb of God would receive the rewards of his suffering. Why? Because they were so taken by the beautiful, wonderful Lamb of God that all beauty in this world faded away. It, it doesn't even begin to compare to him. And it means that, all, that the most secure place you can be in this world is in the middle of the will of God. It, your finances will never secure you. Your car will never secure you. Your house will never secure you. Heck, even getting the best medical care money can buy will never secure you. The, your only security comes from Him. And when that happens, God holds you. Yeah, come on. When that happens, whoa, you are freed. You are freed from trying to earn security or beauty. And you get to become who he's called you to be. Which, as C.S. Lewis said, if you get a glimpse of yourself on that last day, on, when you stand before the Lord glorious, glorified with him, when you get a glimpse of yourself, if you got a glimpse of yourself right now, you would fall at your own feet and worship yourself. Because of how glorious God's going to make you. That's what C.S. Lewis said. And there's no money, no possessions that can ever buy that. <laughs> so Jesus ends that, the passage that we read. He said, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Let me ask you this. Where's your treasure? Where's your heart? Your treasure is something that you boast about. Your treasure is something you think about. When you think about it, oh, you get, just get all gooey and happy. 
oh, I got that. In, in terms of Lord of the Rings, it would be the precious. <laughs> Where's your treasure? The way you make God your treasure is by doing what, God, what James has invited you to do. You boast to yourself. You speak to yourself. It's like you're in the gym, but you're no longer just working out. Now you're not looking at yourself. You're looking at him, and you're saying, oh, God, I can't believe what an incredible salvation that you would love me enough to come me, to come to me, that you would love me enough to save me. You would love me enough to give everything you have just to get me, that you would love me enough not just to, that I would die with you, but that I would be raised with you. You love me enough that you brought me into yourself and into your family. You love me enough that you raised me up with you and now I'm seated with you in heavenly places where no kingdom, no king, no man, no woman can touch me. I thank you that I'm hidden in you and that no matter what my 401k or my bank account or my uh, assets say, I am rich in you. And that has been given to me. As you begin to speak to yourself and boast of what God has done in your life, your treasure begins to be changed. The love of money, greed gets pushed out of our hearts. Security and beauty get pushed out because we realize we are grounded and rooted in him. And then money just becomes money. Money just becomes the tool which you can use to bless others. And uh, John Wesley, one of the founders of the Methodist movement, I love, uh, just love what he said. He said, everyone, everyone should try to earn as much as they can, save as much as they can, and give as much as they can. And so if you get a promotion, if your first thought is how you can use that money on yourself, perhaps there might still be a little bit of greed in there. Perhaps there might be a little bit of difficulty in here. Because what Wesley was able to do is that over his lifetime, his, his salary uh, doubled a number of times. So by the end of his life, he was making almost quadruple what he had first started making. And his spending didn't change a single bit. He lived off the set amount that he had when he was younger, and he gave the rest away. Gave it away. Invested in the kingdom. Invested in his neighbors. Invested in missions. Invested in ministry. He gave, 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 gave. And my prayer for us is that we would be known as the biggest givers in North Carolina. That we would be the ones who are investing in our cities. We're the ones who are investing in our neighborhoods. We're the ones who are giving to our families and our coworkers and our neighbors. Because you just cannot outgive God. And that's just the reality. You cannot outgive him. You can try your best, but you will never give more than he gave for you. And God, with all my heart, I'm asking that you would give us grace and power to be able to do that. To give radically, generously, sacrificially. I'm going to invite you to stand. Would you close your eyes for a minute? As I've been speaking, there have been some things that have been highlighted to you and we just need to do some business with the Lord right now feel the invitation from the Lord there are things that we need to repent of and turn away from and so if there's something that's been pricking your heart and it's been I've been looking at money as my security or I've been looking at money as my beauty I've been boasting to myself or I've been worrying about my future 
I just want to let you know there's freedom here today. Because Jesus is so good that he's going to come and bring us out of that. Whoa. And so, if that's you, I want you just to admit that to yourself and then begin to pray and say, Lord, would you forgive me? Lord, would you help me? Lord, right now I turn away. Forgive me for making money my security. Forgive me for making money my beauty. Forgive me for all the times I've tried to save without asking you what to do. Forgive me for all the times I've spent without asking you what to do. Forgive me when I've thought about more about how I can serve myself than how I can serve others. Lord, would you forgive me for that? And with all my heart, I turn to you right now. And would you teach me how to be a giver? Would you teach me how to give radically, generously, sacrificially? And would you help me find the joy in that? Lord, would you forgive us for the areas that we have, our hearts have been hard and cold towards you. Lord, would you forgive me for the areas that my heart has been hard towards you in the area of possessions. Lord, would you forgive us for the areas where we have said, no, it's all mine, and God can only have 10%, and that's it. Lord, would you forgive us for those? There's one more thing I'm going to ask you to do, and that is if you've just prayed any of that, I'd like you to get out of your seat and come up to the front. Get out of your seat, come up to the front, because our ministry team, we'd love to pray for you. We'd love to come around and bless you and agree that God is coming in, that from this day forward, the love of money will be pushed out of your heart. The fear will be pushed out of your heart. Greed will be pushed out of your heart. And instead, you will be absolutely free to walk in him and become like him. So come on up. No fear, no shame. Ministry team, I'm going to ask you if you can just put your masks on and begin to walk around, put your hands on those and begin to pray for them. But we bless you. Whoa, we bless you to think like Jesus. We bless you to become like Jesus. We bless you to be extravagant givers, to give of yourself, give of your net worth, give of your time, give of your Give of yourself. Because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also.